All right, so I'm going to be in, you know, the cliche of Luke, talk about Christmas, but I want to talk a little bit um, different. So in in Luke, it says, you know, hey, y'all got to go be counted for a census. Now we have census people that come to our house and count us. Well, you had to go to the city of your family, and you had to be counted there. So Mary is very with child, you know. <laughs> I won't make you stand up and show. <laughs> uh, she looked a little like Kaylee um, right now. But she was very with child, and, and it didn't matter. You had to go. They're like, go, get counted, get out of here. Okay? So they went, and you guys, they did not have no cars with heated seats. There was no, you know, she rode a donkey. Y'all, y'all see the size of a donkey? It's like a whale getting on a donkey. These things are little, okay? So she's, they're walking and walking and walking and walking. And she's probably like, you're walking too fast. I'm hungry. Give me some water. You know what I mean? Joseph is like, are you sure? Like, I don't know what I'm doing, like, here. So they're going, and they have to go be counted. And they get to, they get to Bethlehem. And, you know, Mary's like, finally, like, because, like, I'm in labor. We got, and they knock at the, the inn. And then Keeper, you got to think of him. This is crazy. Like, everybody had to go be counted. So everyone was going back to their hometown. So it's not just them. You're talking hundreds and thousands of people, okay? And so they get to the inn. The innkeeper's probably, like, frazzled because he's had every room. And they get there. And what does he say? No room. Go away. I know. You know? And then he kind of has, like, a moment of, like, you know, she is pregnant. There's a barn back there, whatever. Like, just, I can't deal with you right now. That's basically what he's saying. I can't deal with you right now. I'm busy. I got things to do. It was overwhelming. And you just couldn't be bothered to take a moment and think. How many of us, if a pregnant woman came to our door, we might say, you can have our room? We think we would do that, right? We'll make room for you. Oh, my goodness. You know, they have, now they have, like, pregnancy seating in places, pregnancy parking. We're all like, we know. (laughs) Like, that, that. Yeah, I just try to take my friend so I can get good parking. <laughs> Black Friday. Come on, come with. We drove separate, though. But <laughs> Darn it. Um, so you would think that if someone came to your door, very pregnant, and they're like, we, I need help, that you would be like, oh, my gosh, come in. I'll take care of you. But he was so overwhelmed, he could not stop and think about anything but what he was dealing with at that moment that he needed to, you know, organize his inn and do all of these things. And he was overwhelmed, and he just didn't even see what was in front of him. And he's like, go to the barn, you're fine, get over it. You know, I'm pretty sure he was single and not married. Um, (laughs) Or even after that, he wasn't married anymore, I don't know. But (laughs) you send a pregnant lady away, you're in trouble. So that's kind of what happened. And... He was just overwhelmed, and and life was really full. And I think sometimes our life can fill up like that too real fast with all sorts of things that are going on. You know, you look at your calendar, you're like, the first time you put it, I have a whiteboard, and I do my calendar every month, you know, and you wipe it all off, and it feels so good. And you're like, look at all these dates I have. I'm like, so clear. (laughs) Two days later, you're like, I don't even have a space to write on here anymore. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, how did this happen? How did I get so busy? And you think, you know, you get up in the morning, you think, I'm going to get stuff done today. But you didn't really have a plan, and you know what happens? It's 2 o'clock, you haven't eaten, and you're sitting in your pajamas, and your hair is a mess. 
and you're like, where did my day go? Has anybody ever done that, or is that just me all the time? Especially if you're going to clean. You're like, I'm going to tackle this room and clean this up, and next thing you know, every room is a mess in your house, and you got piles everywhere because you're going to save this for later. Yeah, we didn't make a plan. I have this thing when I clean, or when I help other people clean, (laughs) and it's called three seconds. I hold it in my hand, and I say, you have three seconds to decide, or I decide. Keep, give, keep, give, and if he doesn't get to the three seconds, it goes trash. And then I burn it so you can't get it back. <laughs> There's the, there is the key, ladies, if you really want the mess to be gone. Three seconds. Once it's burned, I can't get it back. Bring it, put the little ashes in there, bring it back. Here's your stuff. No. Don't do that. They mu- that might cause a problem. That might be when the fight happened. Don't do that. Um, but we kind of get, we get filled up and 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 things are just going so fast and could you bring up the picture of the nativity scene for me and I'm going to get to where I need to be all right so how many guys have seen nativity scenes you got the three wise men even though we don't know if there was three there could have been like 50 or just two I don't know and you have, see, there's Bert the donkey right there. <laughs> He's been around forever. Um, you got Mary and Joseph. You, of course, you got the baby and star, and you got the shepherds and all this going on. And we see that. We see them everywhere. We see this beautiful nativity scene. But there's a lot of people here that we don't realize. It's beautiful. looks pretty. But there was a lot of people that had to make choices in this moment. They had to choose to make room for the Savior of the world, every single one of them. Um, the innkeeper, guess what? He couldn't make room, and you never hear him mentioned again. They never go back, and they're not friends, and they don't hang out, and they don't have Sunday dinners together, do they? He gone. He's never mentioned again in God's word. So he couldn't make room. But then we look in Luke. I'm going to be in Luke 1, um, 28, if you want to uh, go there you can and it says this it says the angel went so this is about Mary she was the first person that had to make some room and you guys have to put set this precedent she was a teenager people got married 14 15 16 okay so she is you know her family probably set up for her to marry Joseph they plan things out like that and she's like all right my life's gonna start it's good I'm gonna have someone take care of me and then, so, and then we bring here. It says, the angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I want to be highly favored with the Lord, right? That's good. That's good. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. An angel appears to you. You might be a little scared. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary's like, uh, how will this be? Mary asked. And the angel said, she asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she 
who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month now. For no word from God will ever fail. Right there, 37. For no word from God will ever fail. And you know what Mary said in all this? Now, y'all, I've been pregnant twice. I don't think this would have been my answer. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I'm not sure if that would have been my response if I was 16 years old. Sure, I'll have a baby. I'm not married. This sounds great. I'm pre- I don't know if Mary's like, sure, Lord, okay, I guess if your word says it. She had to make a choice. She had to make room and say, can I withstand what's coming? Am I willing to lay down what I want? Am I willing to lay down, you know, my plans that I had? She was preparing to be a bride and start her home and and start a family, and she had to lay all of that down. Y'all seen Bridezilla? That's a lot to lay down. (laughs) And she she had to say, not my plans, Lord, but whatever you've called me to do, I'm gonna do. She gave up that comfortable part of her life for something miraculous. She was the first person who made room for the Savior. And then we go to Matthew. Y'all like Matthew. And I'm going to be in Matthew 1, 18. So then we have Joseph. Okay, he was a little less... <laughs> enthusiastic about this. Um, He says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he was going to be like, let's just get married and then I'm going to get rid of you. That was his plan because he didn't want to embarrass her in front of the family, but, and I don't know, like, I hope it wasn't like, get rid of you, or I'm not sure. Um, But he was like, I don't want this. I don't understand what's going on. She's telling me something happened, and this is, like, people know how to spin some tales, right? I I would hope. So he's thinking, what is, this lady ain't right. Um, So, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that angel, You know, he saves the day every time. Angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. And this all took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home and his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. The angel came to him too. Joseph wanted to keep running his life. He wanted a spotless wife and he thought, you know what, this woman, she was not honorable to me. But the angel of the Lord came and said, hey, this is what's really going on. What do you want to do? He didn't have to. He wasn't a robot. He wasn't forced. The Lord came to him and said, hey, this is what is happening, and I want you. I want this to come through your line, because if you know the Bible, 
God, Joseph came from David's line, and David came from Jacob's line, and Jacob came from Israel. You know what I mean? Here we go. God ordained it from the beginning that these men of God, that they would come through that line. So he was actually honoring Joseph in that moment and saying, you get to be the husband to Mary who found favor in the Lord's eyes, and your lineage will go forever that Jesus came from there. That's pretty cool. That's real cool. So he had to make room and say, okay, kind of disrupt his pl- disrupted his plans, right? Do you know that God kind of just does that? He kind of disrupts the plans we have for our own lives. It's like, I don't want to. I want to do it this way. This is easy, and this is comfortable, and I like it. But his ways are higher than our ways, always. He knows more. He sees the whole picture. I remember... Me and Matt had been married a year, a little over a year, and got pregnant with Layla. I cried for like two days. I was like, I can't do this. I'm not a mom. I'm too young. I was 20 years old. And I was like, oh, take it back. And Matt's like, that's not really how that works. (laughs) And I thought, I wanted to go to school. I had things to finish. I had like money sitting in the bank. I was smart, you guys, at one point. And, like, I had, like, scholarships and these things. Like, I had it sitting there. Like, I had favor. I didn't even have to apply for jobs. People would just come up to me and be like, I want to give you a job. I want to give you a job. I want to give you a job. I've only applied for maybe three jobs in my entire life. Most of the time, people come to me and say, I'd like to give you a job. So I'm thinking, okay, I can do this. I can do school. I can, I can like, have this baby. And I, and I started thinking, okay, okay, I got this plan. And I had this plan, I was going to school, and I was working, and I got really sick. And I had to quit my job, and I had to quit school, and I had to quit doing everything except live in, it, live in my bed and throw up. That's it. That's all I did. That was my whole life for nine months. And I thought, God, what are you doing? I can't go to church. I, can't, I, I barely can speak to people without getting sick. I can't walk. I can't clean my house. <laughs> Poor Matt had to take care of me half the time he had to dress me. Yeah, I mean, I was that sick, very sick. And I thought, what are you doing? Why did you give me this child? Like, we have no money. <laughs> There's no jobs. I can't work. But just like that, all those things happened because, you know what? Not my plans, but God had a plan. And he called me to be a mother over anything else. And it changed my life. And I believe it changed my children's life. And you know what? Not even just theirs, but because God called me to be a mom, gave me supernatural wisdom to be a great mom. And now that's went out, not for just my family, but I think a lot of your families in here and other families have had that because I decided to make room and say, okay, God, we're doing this. How good is that? Because I had choices. They wanted me to abort her at six months. I had choices, right? Could have done whatever I wanted. No one would even have known, right? Don't think that you're like, oh, I'm forced. God doesn't force anything. You still have choices. But I said, you know what, God? You gave me this child. And I'll tell you, when she was born, the peace of the Lord was on her so strongly that the nurses said, this baby is so amazing. Can we take her around the hospital and just show her to people? And the presence of the Lord was on her so strong that they just took her around. I was like, are you supposed to be taking her out of the, like, the baby unit? Like, you steal my baby? 
They're not supposed to, are they, Wanda? They're not supposed to. But they did. And she's had that ever since. Like, people that were sick and stuff, we'd go to the nursing home, and she would just go up to these people that, you know, can, it can be scary for little kids, and she just was able to do that in the peace of the Lord. Um, when people were going through death or sickness, she just had that peace on her, and I thought, God, that's what you were doing. You were bringing in a gift of peace, you know, into this community. So how good just to answer that and say, God, we're going to make room. We got no money. We live in a trailer. We literally have no room, <laughs> but we're going to make room. And we did, and how blessed. And anybody that knows her, you guys know you're blessed. And then God did it again. Double blessed. I mean, it's amazing what when we say yes. Because sometimes God just surprises us and brings something even better than what we thought and what we had planned. I would never take back, like, people are like, well, you were young and you this. I'm like, you know, I had my children. I got all, like, it was so good. I would never take any of that back. Like, God knew. And Joseph and Mary, you look at them, they both made room. And they got to be the parents of Jesus. Kind of a big deal, right? He was the savior of all mankind. They got to be his parents. That is awesome. Do you not think that's awesome? I mean, I think I have some pretty amazing kids, but it's kind of like Jesus and then both my girls equally right there. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> oh, so good. So they both said, they both said yes. I'm going to go back to Luke again. All right, in Luke 2, In Luke 2, um, I'm going to be an 8, and this is about the shepherds, okay? So then you have these shepherds, and they were just basically what we call blue-collar workers. They were just doing their job. Their family said, you know what? Just keep our livelihood. Just go and do your job. Be out there. Watch them. Keep them safe. That's all I want you to do. So um, in 2a, it says this. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And then an, then an angel of the Lord appeared, that angel, to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. There will, this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been, had been told about this child. And all who heard were, in ama were amazed and what the shepherd, at, the, what, at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The angels were busy that night, that season. They had a lot going on. So the angels got to them too, and they could have said no. They could have went and cowered and been scared like, I don't know what is happening. I've been out here with these sheep too long. What am I seeing? 
Um, and they chose to go. They left their sheep. That could have been their livelihood. Their family could have, you know, sheep are just like, mm, you know what I mean? Whatever's there to follow, they could have lost their livelihood. They didn't have, they weren't in pens. They were out in the open. So if the shepherd left, things could happen, right? But they chose, they were like, okay, we just saw an angel. Did you see an angel? Did you see that? I saw that. Tell me you saw that. I need to know if you saw what I, I saw what you saw. Should we tell people? I don't know. I'm really, like, what are they going to think? Um, and they said, okay, so we're supposed to go find a baby in a barn. Let's do this. How awkward would that be? Get to the barn. Let me in. <laughs> um, you don't know us. <laughs> you don't know us. We smell a little like sheep, but can we see your baby? <laughs> Can I hold your baby? <laughs> One time I had somebody that was, um, they had had a really hard life and they were, um, you could tell that they were really struggling and they didn't have a lot and Layla was a baby. You guys, I don't know how that I still have this child. I was probably not the best mother. And this person that was very scary was like, just came up to her and was like, can I hold your baby? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was the Lord. I was like, I don't know why I did that. But, you know, okay, so how many of you guys would be like, yeah, come in my house. I don't know you. You want to hold my baby, my newborn baby, cough on him, kiss him, whatever. Like, sure. That took a lot of courage to be like, hey. So this is, so they went, you know, it was kind of an awkward moment. Like, give me your baby. Let me hold it. You know, Mary's probably like, my baby. (laughs) Give me my baby. And then after that, they left and they went to the village and they told everyone about this. Because I'm not sure if I, if I experienced something like that, if I would first, I'd be like, did that really happen? You guys ever have God do something so miraculous that you're like, was that real? <laughs> and you're like, should I tell people? Are they going to think I'm crazy? But no, they went and they went all to the village and they were telling them, you know, and this isn't like there was no precedence for Jesus really yet. It's been 400 years. People really hadn't been talking about this for quite a while. And so they're just going and telling everyone what the angel said, what went on, how this happened um, all around the village. We get nervous about telling people in our church about Jesus. Don't say his name too many times. Might offend somebody. Don't, don't you say in Jesus' name. I don't want things to happen. <laughs> Just say higher power. Right? It gets nervous. You're like at work and it's like someone's having a bad day and you're like, should I say I'll pray for them? Be like, no, I'll send you good vibes. There's no such thing as good vibes. You have no vibes. You have anointing. It's different. There's no vibes. We'll send you vibes. What the heck is that? What the heck is that, right? No, let's talk about Jesus, the power, the anointing, the Holy Spirit. Come on. Loose anymore. (laughs) Seriously. They told everybody. And I said people were amazed. It was amazing. Like people believed them. Like, you know that's the Holy Spirit coming. You know that is God. If someone told me that story, I'm not sure if I'd be like, "Mm, how much wine did you have today? (laughs) Did you get enough sleep? 
you know what I mean? Like, your kids come tell you a story, and you're like, yeah, none of that's true. Like, they're like, yeah, I was out in the backyard, and there was dinosaurs. And, you know, my mom, my brothers used to play fire when they were twins and they were little. And so they would always say, oh, there's a fire. And, you know, they'd have this imagination. They're like, yeah, like, oh, our toys are on fire. They would make piles and um, be like, oh, go put it out. Because um, they'd have these, like, great imaginations. You don't really believe what they're saying because it's, like, so far-fetched. So then one time my mom's out in the backyard and the kids come. They're like, there's a fire in the kitchen. And my mom, they're, like, four and five, like, that type age. I don't know exactly. And she's like, go put it out. And so they come and they come back. Like, and they said, we can't put it out. And then my mom realized the kitchen was all on fire. And, <laughs> and she sent small children in to put it out. <laughs> my other brother, who was a firefighter, also burned down. We used to have a huge field behind us. And they went out there to play with matches and burnt the entire field down. But then they didn't tell my mom until like, they were adults. So my sister always, at my brother's funeral, she told the story about how she was there for his first fire call. <laughs> So my family likes fire. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so sometimes it's hard to believe those stories. And you think, oh, they're just kind of exaggerating. But people believed and they heard about the Messiah. And even though it never happened before, they chose to make room and said, we're going, we're going to tell people about the Messiah, that he's come. So then I'm going to flip back to Matthew. Last week, Matt talked about these guys in Matthew 2. Um, he shared about the wise men, and it's, I'm going to start right in one. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of the king Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When king Herod heard this, he was disturbed. He was not happy, that means. He wanted to be the king of kings. He wanted to have all power. And all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Oh, Judah. I'm saying it wrong, aren't I? Sorry. <laughs> then, <laughs> I'm saying Israel. I'm like, that doesn't look right. Then Herod called the, the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. I don't think that's what he had in mind. He had killed all of the children that were two and under when Jesus was born because he knew that prophecy. I'm pretty sure he wasn't going to go and, you know, give him a gift, right? He wanted to find him to get rid of him. So after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until they stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So these wise men, 
Matt shared last week that it probably took somewhere around two years to go and follow Jesus. How many of you guys are like, I'm going to give up seeing my family and going to work and taking care of my household for two years? How many of you guys want to volunteer for that right now? Nobody? Okay. So <laughs> you've got no job. <laughs> but they had to leave their, you know, they, it wasn't like you got in your car and you went 20 minutes down the road. They traveled. They were gone from their family, from their land, from their, their jobs for years. They had to choose to make room for that journey. They gave up, you know, they were kings. They gave up their lives. They're powerful. And they went against the other thing they did that you, when you read in that is they went against a powerful ruler that could have destroyed them. Herod was kind of powerful. And they said, we don't care what you're saying to us. We don't care what you've asked us to do. You know, we're protecting the Savior of the world. So um, it was pretty cool how these powerful men made room for the King of Kings. You know, and even though he was just a toddler, they were like, God brought us here. And they, and they chose. That's what I love. It's that choice. Every single person in the nativity scene had a choice. God did not make anybody. He did not force anybody. He has a choice, just like we have a choice for our lives every day. That's what Jesus is. He is the king over all kings. The past, the present, the future. You know, for, for Mary, he was a savior. He's that prince of peace. And all those people gave up control of their life. What they wanted, what they thought was best, and they did something radical. Every single one of them. It was beyond themselves. I don't think I could. Being in that spot, we think, oh, I know Jesus, I could have done that. But you didn't have the understanding. Yeah, right now we think we could because we know how it ends, right? We know how it works out. They didn't really know how that was going to work out. You know, God just said, oh, he's going to come, you know, as he's going to, you know, he's going to come as a baby. Okay, which baby? And when you think, well, it can't be my baby. <laughs> Let it be the neighbor, ladies. Think about that. It was beyond themselves. So as we move about our lives, we need to be intentional about making room. You know, for Jesus to rule and reign in our lives. Sometimes we like to give him, we like to give him rule when we're at church. That's real easy. Because it's easy to talk about him here. It's easy to talk about what he's done, that miracles, signs, and wonders. It's easy. Everyone here, you talk about any of that stuff, they're going to be like, praise God, that's so good, right? You talk about it to someone who is broken and hurt and someone who is struggling, and you know what? They might say some words to you, to your face. I mean, I remember saying, oh, I'll pray for you. And I've had people, don't you effing pray for me? And you're like, oh, I'm scared. I've had people scream in my face, spit on me, just for saying, I'll just pray for you kind of scary out there guys <laughs> but that's saying we have to make room we have to be intentional to make room for Jesus to reign in our lives um, I look and say are we too busy are, are we so busy that we can't even give him 10 minutes just to talk to him I mean probably this morning we spent 10 minutes in a conversation with different people in this room we took 10 minutes we talked about stuff that you know little things, big things, all, all, all sorts of stuff. But can we take 10 minutes to just talk to God? That's what prayer is. 
So pray. Do you take 10 minutes just to talk with God? Or our schedule's so full of events and sports and works and even our families. Sometimes we're like, what's well, a family thing? It's a family thing. Well, this is a family thing too. God's family, God's kingdom. And I look at that and say, you know, God, you put me in this family. You give my family, and I look and say, if I put you first, if I make room for you, my family is so blessed beyond measure that I don't have to worry about making room for them. I don't have to worry about taking care of them. Putting in the right order. Making that room. I'm tired. You know what? I got four hours of sleep, and before I went to bed, I said, Lord, I want you to give me supernatural energy today. That's what I asked him. So when I got up, I like sprung out of bed. Matt's like, what's happening? And I'm like, I got to take a shower. He's like, this lady is nuts. But he's so used to me every day. You guys, like, I don't, when I get out of bed, it's like, go. I used to when I was a teenager because I was, I had some issues. (laughs) I was like a little OCD and I had some major issues that, but you know what? Jesus healed me of that, and I did not have it. And so I would get in my bed, and I did not want to crease my bed. So, like, I would pull back the blankets, and I would jump out of bed. And if I landed on two feet, it would be a good day. If I fell, then it would be a bad day. That's how I, that's how I judged my day back then. But now I, I haven't fallen yet. It has, it's been a long time. So making that room and just saying, okay, God, what do you want? Even though it's not perfect, not the way I planned, would I like to have eight hours of sleep every night? Yep. Is that reality? Absolutely not. But God says, oh, I have, but I could do something there. I could come in. I could do something there. And he does. You know, can we carve a couple hours out of our lives to spend with our church family, our community? Do you guys know that here we are like-minded people that build up and encourage each other? How good is that? You guys, we meet a lot of people who are angry and have not had their coffee yet or are or are hungry throughout the week. We need this. We need this where people are nice to us and encouraging us and they see the things of God and the gifts on our life and they come up and they're like, man, you're a powerful leader. You're amazing. Your kindness just like, you know, saturates everyone you're around. Doesn't that feel good? We need that. Can we carve out a couple hours? Making room needs to be an intentional choice. If we don't choose it, everything else is just going to be a cluster mess. Our cluster of our time, our thoughts, and our emotions. You ever not talk to the Lord very, for a while? And then your emotions are like out of control? You know, sometimes in, if I have not been talking to God and I'm just, and then I'll, you know, Matt, you guys really be praying for him. He's so good to me. And I am so high maintenance. (laughs) You know, he he has to really think about time because like he's like, hey, I got some time to spend with you. And I was like, no, I want all of your time. He's like, how much do you need? I'm like, all of it, everything. How much attention? All of it. I want, you know what I mean? Kind of like, like, so we have to think about that. Like your emotions get out of control if I don't put God first. If I'm trying to make him meet my needs, it's going to be a mess. Because you know what? He's got video games he's got to play. <laughs> I'm just joking. But we think 
our time, our thoughts, and our emotion kind of get get messy and get all cluttery if if we don't make room for Jesus because he is he is clarity you know he is freedom if we don't have him we start putting areas of our lives back into these prison cells and then we feel stuck like well I can't get out of this mess I can't get out of this situation I can't get restored I can't stop this sin because you know what we took Jesus out and we began to put things back in prison and he's like he came to set us free he came to bring us peace. So we need to think about how do we make room. And we can't just make just enough room to meet our needs. Jesus, come here, i got to ask for something. <laughs> come here. He ain't Santa Claus. Just enough. I just want to make enough room for you just so you meet my needs. God is not an ATM of our needs. Are we making big spaces? That's what we need. We need to make room, big spaces that will not only change our lives, but everybody's lives, you know, our families, everyone that we come in contact with, our lives will be changed because we made enough room for people to fit. If people showed up at your door, do you have place for new people in your friendships, in your communities, in your families? Do you have space? Or is it like you an outsider? I know how that feels to be like, this is our family and this is how we want it. And you're new in there. You know, you guys know me. Imagine me coming into a new family. My personality is quite large, right? Can you make room? Can you make room for new people in your life? Will they meet Jesus if you let them in? Is Jesus in there? Is Jesus in there? Will you be Will your life be so full of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that just letting people be around you, they will see Jesus? That's the goal right there. Right there. To make enough room that people can come in. We have friendships. We have connections. We have community that we spend together. You know why? Because we made room. We said, you know, my life may be busy, but I am carving this out, and you are welcome here. I think everybody in this room has had people do that for them and, have had, and has had that done for them. You know, when we first got married, we had a great couple, and I love them. Um, Tom has passed now, but Tom and Jody Gabriels, they were in our lives, and they were the best mom, the best dad. We didn't know anything. We were stupid. You guys, we were. We didn't know how to have a good marriage, and you know, they loved us. We had poverty in our life. We had all of these things going on in sickness, and they just brought us in to their life, and they're like, we're having Sunday dinner every day. We're just going to sit down, and like, or every Sunday, every week, I mean, and we would go to their house, and we would spend time with their kids, and they had teenagers, and their teenagers would take care of our babies, and we, we just spent time, and they taught us how to love well, because like, I did not, I know this is a shock to you guys, but I never hugged people or touched people, and Jody would say every day, she was like, get over here, you need to learn how to receive love, and she would hug me for a long time, and I would be like, you know, after about 30 seconds, I'd get a little like, I can't do this. And she was like, no, you're going to learn how to receive love well. And I'm thankful that they had enough of Jesus in their life that when they opened up, that we fit. And that really changed the course. I think that they were a key couple that served the Lord that changed the course of most of your lives in here because you have spent time in our home. 
And because of that couple following Jesus, a lot of your lives have been touched or changed. Because especially if you've come through our youth program. <laughs> Most of all of our people, second generation youth coming <laughs> coming soon. Um, but that is what are they gonna see that? Are they gonna see that in your life? Think about what it costs Jesus to make a way for us to regain an us an unsustained relationship with God. We broke that relationship. What did it cost him? us to regain that it cost him everything everything the most that he had to be separated from God we don't know what that feels like soon as we get saved even if we are having a bad day with the Lord even if we're living in sin we don't know what it's like to be separated from God because he doesn't leave us just because we're living you know out of his will do you guys know that so even when you think life is terrible and it's so that's not even how that would feel on your worst day, you still had God. You don't know what it feels like to not have God. So this Christmas season, we just got to remember that Jesus was as pure on the cross as he was in the manger. Everyone thinks a baby's fun and beautiful and it's exciting and this new birth, but he was as pure on the cross as he was in the manger. He willingly took our sin. gets me a little emotional. So we need to remember that Jesus, you know, sometimes when we sin, he never felt any of the pleasure of sin because sometimes sin is fun for a season. He only felt the pain of sin. So the moment we think we're getting away with sin and we might be having fun or this is okay, he never experienced that. He only felt the crushing heartbreak, you know, that you get when you have realization of your sin, that's all he felt. And so we need to look and say, I need to live in gratitude and let him write the story of my heart. Not me. I'm not that great of a writer. I'm going to let him. That's what this season is about. Not just this season, but that is what this, this, this year, this earth, this eternity, what, let him write that story. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what he's created you to, to be, to do, to minister. He knows who you need to go out and reach to. He knew, knows who needs to see Jesus, see him in your life. He knows all of that. That's why we need to let him and quit taking that rain back. He's so much better. His ways are just so much higher. There's no punishment in there. There's no shame in there. It's so good. And we need to think about that it's Christmas is fun and it's giving, but it's also everything has to come back to Jesus. That's where people's lives are really set free. That is where joy is released and peace covers. It is Jesus. So if you are struggling in any of those areas, you need to know, I need to get my eyes back. I need to get back looking at Jesus because every answer, everything need is in him. So let's just pray.